Welcome to the Bronx Year Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 5pm on Thursday, the 20th of August. Before I get into it, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's followed our Twitter page, which is Bronx Cheer B-Ball, or the, the Instagram page, which is the Bronx Cheer Basketball, and the Facebook page, which is also the Bronx Cheer Basketball. Anyone that's followed us on Spotify or any other podcast app, Apple Podcasts, anyone that's given us a five-star rating or a review, it helps so much and it's muchly appreciated. So thank you all for that. On today's show, Jack and I will be recapping the first three days of the playoffs. I'm probably going to break down when we talk about his Celtics being two up on my sixes. Uh, We also look at all the other series, give our predictions of where they'll be in a week from now. And we also have a go at a couple of new fun segments. We bring back the Bronx Cheer nomination segment, which a lot of people seem to enjoy from last week. And there's a there's another one at the end that we think you might enjoy. We're ready to go. It's time for tip off. When he's sticking you and taking all your money. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not do not throw anything on the board to injure a player on either team. Decker's going to the Once again, welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I'm joined with a man who must be very happy after the last couple of, couple of games. How are you, JL? Big Nath. I am <laughs> absolutely on top of the world. Celtics up, up 2 nothing. Life is good. Uh, yes, they're up... Uh, 2-0 against the 76ers, my 76ers. It was a close game on uh, the other day. What was, what was it? Tuesday for us, Australian time? Yep. And uh, today, Thursday, Australian time, uh, it was a bit of a blowout. The other day, the Celtics won 109-101, to 101, and I felt that we were playing all right, and I think most teams are shooting better in the bubble, something about depth perception. Yeah, no crap. Uh, Nothing uh, to put you off. Yeah, I don't know. I actually think I read something about that. Yeah. But anyway, so we were shooting all right. Uh, I guess the floor's a bit more open without being on the court, on the half-court offense, but I could tell already the other day, and then same with the first quarter today, that Philly were shooting well and we were – we were either losing or only up by a couple of uh, possessions. So I just knew that the inevitable was coming and it happened today. I'm glad you've, you've finally become used to it. It's glad that you've got, I'm glad that you've called it the inevitable because as a Celtics fan, like even in game one, I thought it was always going to happen. Like, I was just waiting for Brad to make some adjustments. I was waiting for offense to start <laughs> clicking. I was waiting for him to slow down and, 
every single one of those boxes was ticked. <laughs> well, the thing is that Embiid. I mean, let's let's be honest. Embiid has been good. He's been great. Oh, he's like he's been both great. games. Yeah. In uh, game one, he had twenty six points, sixteen rebounds, and today he had thirty four points and ten rebounds, and that was with the last, I think, three or four minutes being garbage time or even more. Um, and he's been really aggressive. Maybe pretty much the most consistently aggressive in both games that I've seen him all season and he knows what he has to do. However, it doesn't it doesn't matter when you've got basically no help on offense and then we have no idea on, on defense. Uh, Tobias Harris the other day only had uh, 15 points. Uh, Richardson had 18, but he was a minus 10. Milton, 13. Uh, Horford six points the other day, and <laughs> oh, then, that makes me so happy. <laughs> and we all know how much uh, Tobias Harris and Al Horford are on. They're on uh, chomp change. You know they're not getting paid any money, are they? Of course not. They've only got three hundred mil locked up over the next few years. <laughs> and then today, Tobias Harris thirteen points, a minus twenty-one. I mean, not that you can really hold that against anyone, but thirteen points. Horford had four points. For his 109 million, and uh, yeah, nothing on offense happening for the Sixers helping out Joel. And in terms of defense, I don't know if you saw today, but towards the end, when we chose to start doubling Tatum as he brought the ball up the court, tell me this, uh, JL, if you're gonna double Tatum, like before he crosses the halfway line, but then he passes the ball. It was Why a do we then? It was a very one-dimensional yeah. defensive strategy. Why do we then go off him and go from double-teaming him to leaving him wide open? So it's like, so he passed the ball. They do a swing or whatever. It happened a few times coming up the floor, and then it gets back to him. Oh, he's the open man. That can't be true. He is the open man when he's the one we're planning to double. He's not going to shoot from behind half court. I, I understand the the actual mechanics of what they were doing, but you would think I you would think I'm talking shit like when I say that they left him once he got the ball back, like it left was, him not one not one player. It was bizarre. Um, but I think I think as well there was more to it. So obviously the strategy was getting the ball out of his hands, which is so common in the NBA, and we've been seeing that for years, but. I think it was the Celtics' ability. Um, you know, they've, they're quite a good passing team in terms of they don't have like a you know a LeBron or someone like that that's going to average ten assists, but all their players can can pass the ball quite well and just make simple passes. Yeah. Um, so once the ball was out of Tatum's hands, it was just a quick, you know a quick pass it around the horn, get it around the three point line, and then you know when you're playing a you know a, th- a four on three. In that situation, the Sixers were scrambling and it was just yeah. so easy to get the ball back to Tatum. Um, so as a Celtics fan, it was so good to see him just get open look after open look. But it was just a – it was a tough game to watch even as a Celtics because I felt bad for him. Like, like you said, he is aggressive, but obviously his conditioning still – and there's been talk about this for, for years now, but his conditioning is still not up to scratch. So he was yeah. settling for jump shots, but he was hitting them, like those mid-ranges on Tyson and yeah. on Cantor. So I was sort of happy with those shots because I was like, he's better off banging inside 
for the Sixers, you know, you, you want to try and get Boston's bigs in foul trouble and um, he's obviously more effective down low. But when he's hitting those shots, he's also conserving energy. But if yeah. he's still tiring out, if he's shooting well from mid-range, I don't know what's going to happen when his shot's not on. Yeah, his uh, conditioning is no secret. Um, but, yeah, as you said, I, I, and as we all know, that's far from basically – I mean, he's got to improve that, but that's far from our problem. As oh, I said, the prep by, by far carrying a team anyway. Whatever um, defensive scheme that we claim to have – it, that is just not even a thing. And playing Neto over Alec Burks in that first half and Burks didn't even get a run till late when Neto is nothing, basically, especially on the defensive end. And he's he's like he's like TJ McConnell, but not TJ McConnell. He's sort of more more blurry in a way. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know. So, and he doesn't like rev the team up like TJ did. No. And... Anyway, so uh, unfortunately, I think every Sixers fan knew and knows that this was Brett's last chance. It, it was just an understanding, an unspoken, you know, statement of this season that this is the last chance for Brett. And despite Ben being out, I mean, we can now talk about Haywood going down the first game. Haywood was out. You guys are thin. Like, let's be honest. In we, terms, we are of not deep at all. No, we weren't deep start- before Hayward went down. Yes, that's right. In terms of starters, you guys are are pretty thin, and this is just no, no. Uh, there's no excuse for today. And as much as I think we might, you know, play better or whatever, I, I don't understand what they could possibly do. As we agree, the Brad Stevens is pretty much the best coach in the NBA. And anything that we throw at the Celtics, uh, they're going to come back and kill us. I do want to say that I thought that, just as part of this as well, I thought that Kemba Walker was nearly non-existent in game one. And I was thinking to myself, you know, we're in this game, we lost by eight, and yet they sort of, you know, Tatum's been on fire, but Kemba wasn't even playing well. Haywood went off with that uh, ankle injury. And then what happened today? Kemba Walker woke up. 22 points and uh, the three-headed monster of Jalen and Jason with Kemba. I don't think – I'm not sure if the Sixers will get a game. It's uh, not out of the uh, the realms of possibility because, I mean, like we keep talking about, Embiid is by far – well, not by far, but he is playing the best basketball in this series so far. Um, Tatum's probably the only one that can contend with that. So wouldn't be surprised if Embiid sort of, you know, has a 36, 38-point game um, yeah. and, you know, your shooters get hot. But, yeah, the Celtics should be running away with this quite comfortably. Yeah, and, and yeah, for us to win, every it's just the, the simple words of everything needs to go right for us and everything needs to go wrong for you. I assume if we win, it'll be a game where Tatum doesn't have 33 or his game one tally of 32 so it's going to be a game like that uh, just on more complaining about the Sixers, uh <laughs> apart from brett brown being on the hot seat uh alton brand i know this is his is it his it's his second year or, or yeah it's yeah, his second year second oh what's he doing man time flies anyway as much as he's got it done jimmy uh tobias 
Matisse, it's always the same story with um, these these transactions. He shows his hand and we always overpay for whatever we want. Case in point, all the picks and Landry Shamit that we gave to the Clippers for Tobias and then how we showed our hand to basically you guys, Boston, and then you knew we want a thigh ball. And so we gave you two second rounders and that might have been it, but... Carson Edwards, I think he was late first. Yeah, yeah, Carson Edwards and we wanted him. And anyway, showing the hand and that would have been all right if basically it didn't turn out like this. Paying his buddy, Alton Brand's old teammate, buddy Al Horford, $109 for the next four years and... I still think Al Horford's all right, even to start, and he, and especially as a backup center, but not in this team, not in our team. Brett is a big part of it. There's a lot of players that are a big part of it. I think a lot of Sixers fans want this organization pretty much cleaned out and just keeping Ben and Joel. And I think that's uh, I think that's all, not inevitable, but I think it's sort of what should happen. Um, yeah, brands. I think he's proven quite com- well, quite clearly now that he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, sort of through two big contracts at Horford and at Harris when he shouldn't have, um, especially yep. when Jimmy Butler was willing to stay if you know things went yeah. well. Um, That's it. But it's also yeah the coaching. So what I was thinking today is that the the seventy sixes were like okay, well how's this Celtics team scoring? Let's make a defensive adjustment and we'll put Matisse into the starting lineup. Mm. But that was all they did, whereas, you know, um, the 76ers got out to a hot start and Stevens is making adjustments throughout the game, whereas Brett Brown isn't doing that. Um, yeah. So it's clear that, to me, it's clear that Brett's got to go and I think that is that is inevitable. That's definitely going to happen. Or I don't know what I don't know what Sixers fans will do if he's not. Um, but then what does Alton Brand do? Because... It's not going to be easy to get rid of Harris and Horford's contracts because they're so often in in the NBA where you know teams will trade for a guy on thirty million to not play him just so they can have the cap, um, you know, to to clear that cap space when their contracts expire. But they've both got so much time left on it that no team's going to want to do that. So I think the Sixers are going to have to ride this out. Um, whether they can try and find guys on much, much, much less to play quality minutes. Um, and sort of try and compete with Ben and Joel. But as far as I'm concerned, if Harrison and Horford are on the on the roster, you're probably not yeah. going to go too far. Well, in terms of anything that we have, because we traded, I think, nearly all our picks and all our first round picks, there is one positive, and actually most Sixers fans are, have been celebrating, I think it was since we last spoke, I believe, uh, the Thunder finished with the equal 10th, best record with the Heat and the Pacers, I think it was. The Heat and the Pacers. Oh, the Heat and the Jazz. Um, Equal 10th best record and they have the rights to the OKC 2020 top 20 protected first round pick, which here's the story of it, JL. On the the 11th of... No, sorry. On the 1st of November 2016, Sixers trade Jeremy Grant to OKC for a top 20 protect, protected 
2021st round pick. That's where it sort of started. And then on the 22nd of June, 2017, the Sixers traded that pick to Orlando for draft rights to Anses Possession. What? I can't say. Anses Possessionics. Far out. I butchered that. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh god! I've, ne- I've just realised I've never said that name in my life. I'm pretty sure he's playing for the Wizards at the moment. Anyway, I don't even so, know who yeah. you're talking about because you just butchered that name <laughs> so badly. What? Who are you talking about? A N Z E J S N Z. He's a Latin basketball player. Passes. I can't say it, man. Passes. Oh, Andres. Possessionics. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. Anyway. What would you do without me? We, we traded the OKC pick to Orlando for the draft rights to him. <laughs> to who? <laughs> I can't say it, man. Oh, man, I'm crying. Um, and then in 2019, uh, on the 7th of February, the Sixers traded Markel Fultz the legend he is, to Orlando for the Oklahoma City pick, the one that we originally got for Jeremy Grant. It's ba- It came back, we got it, traded it, and we got the same, uh, you know, pick back. And then after the OKC Thunder traded Russell Westbrook away and Paul George away in the offseason – no one picked the Thunder to make the playoffs, let alone finish with the tenth best record. No, I thought in- the Thunder were. Yeah, you know, I thought they'd be tanking, going to be trading half the players yes. in their team. That's right, and everyone thought that, but they finished with the equal tenth best record in the league with the Heat and the Jazz, and they, I believe, they flipped a coin. Shams or something reported the other day that OKC won the won the flip, so the Sixers got the best. Possible outcome from that pick twenty-one in this year's draft. Wow, thank you very <laughs> like, much. That—that's the best thing that could have happened. From, that's the best <laughs> thing. That honestly is the best thing that's happened all year for the Sixers. And thank you, OKC. Uh, I used to hate OKC when they had Westbrook, but now I, I love them. Um, thank you very much. So hopefully, with that first-round pick, that pick twenty-one, we can dangle that with Horford. God, I don't know. Maybe get Buddy healed. Um, I don't. Something, something. You know. Let's maybe you just can, maybe you can draft another player that forgets how to shoot. <laughs> I can't laugh anymore. I can't cry. I can't <laughs> laugh anymore. I've I've cried today. I looked into following lawn bowls. Uh, I'm I'm over basketball, but I'm excited for the the draft, which is our time tomorrow. Actually, that's the draft lottery. Yeah, sorry, yeah, the draft yeah. lottery. I meant, yeah, yeah. That's I love the draft lottery. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's like that, it feeds my gambling addiction that I I don't bet. So this is this is my gambling. It's beautiful. <laughs> that's it. Uh, the first NBA thing I believe I remember watching is the draft lottery because Your boy to summarize, Nerland. yeah, my quick story as people might already know, I got into the NBA following Nerlens Noel. He ended up in Philly. Philly fan. He was the best player in that draft, or sorry, he was the best um, 
prospect in that draft. So when the Cavs got the 2013, uh, when they won the lottery, the number one pick, I t- I'm pretty sure I Facebook statused out. Um, I'm, I'm a Cavs fan because I know they're going to pick <laughs> Nerlens. And then he went pick five, I believe, to five or six. New- yeah, yeah, New Orleans, and they traded him to the Sixers on draft night for Drew Holiday. Um, and that's how it went. But anyway, yeah, I love the draft lottery, uh, and fun. that'll be interesting tomorrow. Anyway, I can't cry anymore. Let's move on to the Bronx cheer of the week. We knew how much our our fans and our listeners loved the Bronx cheer bubble award from last week, so we thought we'd bring it back this week, and I think it's going to be a weekly event. It's going to be a weekly event. And just for clarification, the, a Bronx cheer, once again, is a sarcastic cheer from a sports crowd. If a player finally completes a task, say they were missing all day and they hit it, you don't normally hear that one in, in the NBA. Maybe that's in other sports. Or they do something just so ridiculous or so if, you, if they're at an away arena and they basically do something that disadvantages them and their team. They hit an air ball, they miss a dunk, something for the the home crowd to cheer against and just laugh at them. It's about, you know, pretty much bagging the player. That's what a Bronx cheer is. So Bronx cheer nomination number one. Uh Kurutz, how do you what's what's Kurutz's first name? Uh Rodion? Yeah, Ro Rodion or something like that. I love talking Yeah, how do you say it? Rodian's Kurutz. Rodian's Kurutz. I love talking in first names. Rodian's Kurutz runs his shoulder into OG Ananobi's face. He was, I believe Kurutz was trying to set a screen and he gets called for the illegal screen. But when they bumped, Kurutz flopped. I mean, you've seen the video. Kurutz flopped. It was and I'm pretty... It could have been a flagrant flower on Kurutz because it was such a dirty play, like intentionally lifted his shoulder straight into OG's face, but then he flops anyway. So just double the shame there. Kurutz, that flop definitely deserved a Bronx Shio. That's the first nomination. Pat Bev fumbled a rebound. I sent you this video. This is bad. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure many people actually brought this up on social media. I felt like, you know, watching yeah, that game. Did, I was where did you spot it? Did you see it live? Yeah. I was just watching it live and I'm like, that's Bronx cheer. I'd be, if I was at, again, if I was at the game, I'd be laughing my ass off basically. Um, so anyway, Bronx cheer to you, Pat Bev, and this might be the best one, but we got to be careful with these ones, JL, with how much we're going to bring up certain people because we don't want to, some people sure. just could, yeah, they could be in the Bronx cheer every week. And I'm sure if we're going to criticize commentators, for getting things wrong. I'm sure we've already made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And maybe a frequent feature on this segment, Chris Webber, while commentating the close uh, Blazers and Lakers game the other day, in the space of 10 seconds said that Mallow was drafted number two when he wasn't. What was he drafted, JL? Number three. Behind? Behind, behind LeBron and... The, the greatest player of all time, Darko Milicic. 
I wanted you to make sure to to say that name because I'm I'm a bit <laughs> You're scarred. You're struggling with Europeans today. <laughs> I'm scarred for the rest of the podcast. Uh, yeah, so Mallow was not drafted number two, Chris Webber. Even though Chris Webber kept saying it all game long, it was just he kept saying that. And he also said that Mallow will be a top 15 scorer in history soon, which he already is. Uh, I think he actually said at one stage, you know, he's in the top 20 of scoring. He'll be in the top 15 soon. I don't know, JL. You'd think like the, either well, the producers or himself, he would already know this. I thought technically he's correct. He will be in the top 15 soon because he already <laughs> is. I mean, he's, he's not wrong. He's just making <laughs> technically he'll be in the top 200 as well. But <laughs> And uh, in the same game, yeah, in the same game, he also said that Jason Kidd is the all-time leader of assists. And he is not. I believe it's Gary. No, not Gary Payton. It's who's Come the guy? On. Come on. No, you're not John Gary Stockton. Payton. John Stockton. It's an O and an N at the end is where I was at. Um, Close. Pashesnich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, just to add to that, classic Chris Webber, I think it might have been in the finals. Sorry, not in the finals. In the playoffs last year, watching a Sixers game, and he was trying to act smart, being like, oh, they're bringing Embiid off for a rest mid-quarter. But his actual minutes are always, main. well, when we all have a full team with Ben, Embiid's minutes are he has a break in the middle of the corner. That, that That's his rotation. And then he comes back on with three minutes left or something like that. But Chris Webber was trying to act like, oh, this is not a usual rotation for a star player. They're doing something unusual for the playoffs. And I remember, you know, seeing Twitter and all the Sixers fans are like, Chris Webber has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I just don't think he watches that much basketball when he's not commentating. So. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, is what it is. Uh, anyway, honor, honorable mentions to, got to say this one. I mean, I don't want to pick on too much, I guess, players' shortcomings, especially free throw missing, but down by two points, 87 to 89, four and a half minutes remaining in the game. Anthony Davis misses two free throws and then straight away, like next play down the floor, Lakers, LeBron misses two free throws, four consecutive free throws, from their two superstars. If you're in a Portland stadium, Blazers, I'm telling you, Bronx cheers are going crazy everywhere, me included. What did you think of those uh, four missed free throws by the uh, big boys? That was, that was tough to watch. I mean, like, we know LeBron's had his shooting worries, especially in the fourth quarter from the free throw one. And I think the commentators were saying that, they definitely said it during the game, but I think they might have been saying it while he was shooting. Um, but for AD to miss, and he's an, what, an 80% free throw shooter, to miss both was quite surprising. Yeah. But AD missing, yeah. I think, I don't know what it was, but the the Lakers just didn't seem quite there for that game. But we'll, we'll touch on that later. Got to go to uh, another Bronx cheer nomination to Paul George um, in the loss today to the Mavs. They lost 114 to the Mavs 127. Paul George was a big factor in that loss because he was 4 of 17 from the field, 2 of 10 three-point field goals, and only 14 points. And this is all after talking trash to Dame and going on his Instagram promising his fans that if it wasn't for his injuries, he would have better a better career. So big Bronx cheer to you, Paul George. I, I know you got, hate him. I've got one more for you as well before we move oh. on. 
Give it to I, me. That I completely forgot to send to you, but you know, I'm sure we'll get this on online for our viewers to see. Um, <laughs> Porzingis hit a big three today from quite deep, and I don't know who the announcer was, but oh yeah, he's knocked it down from Dame Lange. Did you Dame Lange? Yes, <laughs> I did. I did. That was the the only thing about that. Like, is 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 Lange a thing? Like, I didn't want to. He was going to try and say land and range. That's how I've perceived it anyway. Well, Chris Webber was opposite him, so no wonder why Chris Webber didn't correct him because <laughs> the way it was so smooth, like such a smooth call that I thought maybe I'm the wrong, maybe I'm in the wrong for <laughs> not knowing. <laughs> maybe Lange is some sort of terminology I'm not heard of. But anyway, yes, nomination to that to that commentator and we'd love to hear your thoughts, the listeners and our fans on our pages. What do you think out of all these six nominations was the Bronx cheer of the week? Let's move on, JL, uh, to looking back on the games that have happened and where we're going from here. So first off, Nets Raptors, what can you say really? Well, the Raptors have got this um, and we, we said that initially. Um, look, the Nets, are they're missing they're probably three of their best four players maybe even yep. four of their top five um, with DeAndre Jordan. But, I mean, he's not as good as he once was, but still obviously quite impactful. Um, but, yeah, the Raptors are just – they the way they're coached, the way they play, everyone contributes. They're not – it's not a one-man band. They are just playing some beautiful basketball. And, I mean, in game one, they had like a 33-point lead, which was cut to eight, and then they won by 24 off memory. So they pretty much blew the nets out twice in that one game. And then yeah. game two, the Nets played quite well. Um, but, you know, the Raptors just found a way to, to get over the line and the good teams win the bad games. So I think that'll be a sweep. But, um, yeah, the, the Raptors are just playing. Since they've been in the bubble, they're playing very good basketball. So credit to the Nets for putting up a fight without half their half their squad. But That's it's it. uh, good good training for the Raptors, I think. Yeah, so as we sort of mentioned last week about, you know, teams finding their feet in the bubble and that's what they spent the seeding games doing and I think that the the Raptors are basically still. Today was a summary. Even though the Nets are uh, playing for their lives, all those players that are playing, you got Tyler Johnson who didn't have a team and players like that. Um they are playing hard, but I think the Raptors, they have full control. If they want to lose, if they want to win, they'll be doing whatever they want. So for reference for what we're going to talk about right now, this time next week when we talk again on the podcast, uh, I think it'll be just after game five for all the series, maybe some game four or game six. The What do you reckon this time next week after five games are done? We're talking sweep. For for the uh, Raptors net series, yeah, four yeah. nothing, yeah, four. Especially uh, with, no, I, with no home court advantage, like it's just the the better teams has got such an such a big advantage. So four nothing for me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, for me as well. I think next time we talk uh, late next week, I think it'll be a sweep by the Raptors. So moving on, other one, yeah, the Bucks Magic, uh, the Magic. The Magic won. I know the game won. How? Why? They, that I, I believe that the handicap line or the spread, whatever country you're in, was 
The Bucks were favourite to win by 13 or more, basically. The spread was 13 and a half or something like that. Flip it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I didn't even watch the game, but... No, it was like 3.30 um, our time, so I... Yeah, 3.30 a.m. our time, and I think rightfully so, early time US, definitely not prime time. Everyone assuming the same result, and we all wake up, especially in Australia, we wake up and... The Magic has won 122 to 110. It was beautiful. It was great. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm just, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, so we all love an upset. However, all I just want to say is that the Raptors also lost game one of round one last season to, to the Magic. Magic team. I know. Game one Magic. Yes. You can run for but, it, but they're always going to come. Yeah, not that it's got any substance to it, but like they have Aaron Gordon out. They have... Jonathan Isaac out. I don't know. I, again, I watched Markel Fultz. Yeah, they should not be <laughs> I, winning a playoff game. I I watched the highlights and I just couldn't understand what must have gone down. I saw Zach Lowe tweet that something about that basically the Magic played four or five shooters like at all times, and then the Bucks mm. just had no idea what to do. They just this moved the ball d- really well. That that was it. They didn't play any complicated basketball. They just moved the ball and made the shots that they were meant to make. So I, I, I'm not going to invite any sort of what does this mean for the Bucks from either of us because <laughs> no, the, Bucks, uh, yeah. the Bucks are gone. They're not going to win a game. <laughs> They're going to get swept. I mean, I, I'm happy for that to happen. Not <laughs> as down, we hate the Bucks, but I'm happy for it to happen in terms of I love an upset. So do you think Magic? I mean, no. let's be honest. The Magic are undefeated in their home city in the playoffs this this year. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe there is a, an Orlando sort of advantage. But Brooke Lopez, five points. Oh, a four from three. Uh, he was missing. He, and he, he was nothing. And he's quite a good defensive player as well. Eh? He was on a few of the um, reporters' ballots for um, for first team and second team all defense. And yeah, Vucevic has dropped 35, 14, and four on him. Oh, Vuce. Oh, I think he was originally at Philly. What a man. 35. I, he, he, let's not get into it, but he's a bit underrated, good old Vooch, uh, playing for the small market. He's, I don't, don't fact check me on, no, fact check me on this, please, because I could be wrong. But I think I read that he's already played more games for the Magic than Shaquille O'Neal did or Penny Hardaway or Tracy McGrady. Wow. So, and I, I mean, that, that may be wrong or whatever I read, but. He's going to stay there for a while. There is a genuine chance that he might go down as their leading scorer of all time, <laughs> which is just going yeah. to it shows what sort of franchise they've had. Um, that's it. I think it's probably you know, Shaq and Dwight ahead of him, but that's about it. Yeah, and just come to think of it as well, I'm not seeing Mo Bumba anywhere on this on this box score, so I, I'm not sure if he's to- – is he totally injured or something? I don't know. He's, no, he's just no good. That- <laughs> Simple as that. He, even if he was there, he wouldn't be playing that often. Yeah, so as we said, Vooch, 35 points, 14 rebounds. And uh, I, I must say myself, he looks like, just like Jokic, I reckon Vooch is looking a bit uh, thinner of recent times. So good on him. Good on the Magic. But the Bucks were still But, <laughs> the, but the, uh, the Bucks in five now, not four, five. <laughs> so Giannis played 34 minutes. Um, and he scored two points in the last nine of his minutes. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. say in the in the first 25 minutes, he had 29 points and you know 14 rebounds and five assists or something ridiculous like that. 
he's still the best player in the world at the moment. Most likely, you know, he's going to win the MVP most likely. Yeah, um, he will. Middleton shot four of twelve. He's going to improve. Lopez two from nine. That's not going to happen again. They're going to win this series quite convincingly. So yeah. let's just enjoy this Orlando parade while we can. <laughs> so um, in five for you, four one. Yep. Lock it in. Yeah. Yeah, four one by next week. That's both our predictions. Onto the Heat Pacers, the Jimmy and TJ that now Jimmy has shut down. So that's where let's move past that. So that's a bit boring. However, Jimmy himself, Jimmy G buckets the G stands for gets. <laughs> <laughs> he he had a night. He did. He, since February third, Jimmy Butler has hit one three pointer. Uh, there was a few people I thought I thought he actually hadn't hit any, but. I checked he hit a three-pointer against the Bucks in March. I know we had a big gap. Like, yes, let's make that clear. But let's just say since February 3rd, which is still a lot of games, Jimmy Butler hadn't hit a three apart from that one in March. And he stopped taking him for a bit. But against the Pacers yesterday, he hit two threes. He was a plus 13, 28 points. He had some good defensive plays, like always. Um, uh, I'm not too confident for the Pacers. they still got no Sabonis. They had Oladipo go out with an eye injury after playing nine minutes. I think he's going to be back for game two, but I just, as I said on the last pod, I, I've watched these games in the regular season and the, the Miami zone gets the better of some teams and Indiana's one of those teams. Yeah, Um Sort of leaning towards Miami, but like, the Pacers are going to put up a good fight. I think Brogdon shot 6 of 18, so that'll improve. Um, TJ Warren was all right, shot 50% from the field and shot well from three. Um, yeah. But I think he'll get more shots up. He only took 18 shots, so I think if you, know, if you push that to 22-ish, he's their best scorer, so that should increase. I think the Pacers do have a chance. Um, I think they're quite evenly matched, but it's just the outside shooting of Miami that sort of separates these two teams with like guys like Robinson and Hero. Uh, even Kelly Olenek can come in for a while. Dragic uh, and um, Crowder as well. Um, yeah. th- there's just so many guys that can shoot the ball. So, you know, you sort of have more confidence in Miami that you know at least a few of those shooters will be hot each game. But I wouldn't rule out the paces just yet. Yeah, definitely. I know I love the Pacers, and if they had Sabonis, I'd go as far as saying they could win this series. But for me, by this time next week, after five games, so we're up, Miami's up 1-0. Ooh. 3-2 to Miami. I re- yeah, I reckon it's going to be 3-2 to Miami, and I think we might see a 4-2 finisher. Um, For me, I don't know if it's going to go to a seventh. I'm but, fingers crossed for seven. I'm booking seven just because I want to see a game seven. Yeah, that'll be nice. I, this I'm not too sure, but yeah, I'll just say f- uh, three to two Miami next week. And uh, yeah, just to note that Miles Turner, he he was originally supposed to be the guy. Uh, oh, sorry, the big guy of this team, and Sabonis overshadowed, you know, overtook him, and it's just a constant reoccurrence he had nine points he was a he was a minus 19 he only took you know he shot four of 11 from the field over three from the behind the arc and you, you, i need more from miles turner especially when oladipo goes out definitely but 
uh, yeah, so 3-2 Miami for both of us by next week. Let's move on to the Nuggets and the Jazz. The first game, which ended after overtime, the Nuggets won that 135 to 125, and there was a, a certain insect that had a, a big game. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, spider. Oh, you spider. Oh, Come on. I, hate that. I, I hate that nickname so much. Oh, you don't like it? Oh, I think it's awful. That's why I had no idea what you're talking about. And it's an arachnid anyway. Come on, mate. It's what? It's an arachnid. It's not an insect. I don't think so. Maybe maybe arachnids are still insects. I don't know. But either way, uh, Donovan Mitchell. When I, was, when I was saying it, I had a feeling it's not an insect, but we'll go. We'll just... We'll, yeah. we'll work it out. <laughs> we'll work it out. It doesn't matter. Donovan Mitchell, that 57 piece was incredible. He um, Look, he's always been such a good scorer. It's, quite, it's come quite naturally to him. Um, his assist game's improving quite a lot, which is good to see. Um, yes. just his vision is remarkable, but 57, he was just he was scoring from all three levels in terms of at the ring, the mid-range, and from three. He was getting to the line. He was just scoring at will. And shout out to Juan Morgan, who I hadn't really seen much of. Looking at this box, box score, in a 10-point loss, they had a plus 17. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he's. I'm glad to see that he did have seven assists in that game one. Yes, but he's a scorer and he's a, he can when he's on, he's on. He's one of those. He can be off, but he's on and they need him, especially because Mike Conley left the bubble prior to this game one to go see the birth of his child. So they're going to need Donovan Mitchell to, to get it going. Definitely. But, the, but the Jazz just don't – they don't have many offensive threats um, and they haven't for a while now. So it's sort of like a bit of a one-man band in terms of Mitchell running everything and it's a drive and kick sort of offense. Um, and, you know, they won today because, that you know, Gobert chipped in with 18 or 19. Ingles had the same. Clarkson had similar amount. So – you know, those three all chipping in, uh, Royce O'Neal as well, if he gets going, that's how the Jazz are going to win, you know. If Mitchell gets his own, that's great, but those guys need to step up because obviously as we saw in game one, 57 points in a loss, quite meaningless if, you, if your role players aren't there to, to do their job. The third most points ever in a playoff game. Uh, so, and then... Uh, I just uh, so on the other side of the ball, the winners, Jamal Murray had thirty six points and nine assists, and Nikola Jokic had twenty nine points. Um, I'm not sure if putting Joe Ingles on Jamal Murray, even though down under Durant, have you heard that nickname? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's bad. I, I, lo- I love it. It's so 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 nicknames <laughs> so funny. Um, down under Durant, even though he's got a Good defensive reputation. I feel like his uh, legs are getting a bit old for the. And I'm not sure. I'd, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd be putting him on the young Jamal Murray. Jamal, he's just such a good offensive threat. Yes, but moving on to today, uh, the in game two, the Jazz came back and won 124 to 105. We had another very nice game from Donovan Mitchell. He was. 30, 30 points he scored, an efficient day, especially behind the arc. Six of seven from three, 10 of 14 from the field. Some nice contribution off the bench from Jer- Jordan Clarkson. 
uh, with 26 points. Yeah, and Gobert put in 19, Ingles 18. So it looks like a very even series, basically. Well, I think, yeah, like I said, the Jazz need a score by committee, whereas I think Denver definitely have more of the better players. Um, so Jokic has played well both games, and then you've had Murray play exceptionally well in game one, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. play very well in game two. So I think yeah. if those three guys are all playing at a high standard, that's, you know, it's Denver series to win. Um, but obviously we know, and they've played this way for years, Utah is such a good defensive team. They will, they pride themselves on locking down to locking down opponents. So we'll see what they, uh, they have in store. We know um, what's their, uh, their coach's name. Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. That's the one oh, I was thinking. Um, yeah. That's, that's Utah. That's Utah's yeah, coach. Just, just looks like a, <laughs> it looks like he's in the mafia half the time, but yeah, he's <laughs> such a good defensive coach. So I think that, that's what, if they're going to win the series, that's what's going to be important. Um, Jokic will get his own, but if you can slow down MPJ and Jamal Murray, that's where, you know, that's that's their chance. So, um, when predicting the where we're going to be after five games, I actually think Mike Conley, who has returned and is now quarantining, I think he's allowed to be back for game three. Uh, I am going to say that Mike Conley is going to be, is going to actually, what's the opposite of help? Is going to hinder the Utah Jazz. Really? Uh, Yeah. I I, I mean, from what I've seen this year, I mean, I know they're solid, but as I think I mentioned to you last week or the week before, the whole Conley thing that's happened has been similar to the Horford thing with us. Not not Mm. as dramatic mathematic yeah you know not as dramatic and simple to see but conley hasn't perfectly fit and i reckon you're gonna see he's gonna obviously take the ball out of mitchell's hands you know decent amount of time and so I, I think yeah i know that it hasn't worked all that well this season so far um but conley's proven himself in the playoffs over and over again and i think that they're slowly trying, or starting to work each other out. And Mitchell and Conley can both play off ball quite well and they're both good spot-up shooters when need be. So I think I think that'll work fine. Um, where he takes or who he takes the minutes from, I'm not really sure whether they'll play smaller or they'll try and rotate, um, you know, only, only overlap Mitchell and um, Conley a little bit. But yeah. I think he'll definitely help. Next week, what are, what uh, series score are we looking at? Three two Denver. Three two Denver. Yeah. I'm gonna say, yeah. Uh, I'm 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 gonna say the same. I'm gonna say three two Denver. Uh, looks like it's shaping up that way. But moving on to the OKC and Rocket series, I think maybe even what did you say before the? I mean, it's only been one game, but what did you say? I think I was saying. OKC. I was leaning more towards OKC because of Westbrook's absence for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I said I was all Rockets until Westbrook went down. Then um, I was saying that it's OKC series to win, but the Rockets will go as far as James Harden takes them. And yep. I think that's what we saw in game one. If Harden's on and he's shooting the ball well, which he did, they're a good chance to to steal this one from the Thunder. And it was simple as, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people tuned into that game. I know that uh, Gallinari had 29 and CP had 20, but it was just, it just looked like the Thunder didn't want it. They they weren't really uh, defending well. They were just all very stagnant on um, 
on on defense and and on offense. The offense was I couldn't believe. It. I think it was um I think Stan Van Gundy was calling that game and he spoke about what teams do at training called a shell drill where they all stand around the the three point arc and just swing the ball. And that's what it looks like, especially like against a small ball lineup, you want to be cutting, you want to be moving because we know the Rockets are happy to switch on the pick and roll. They'll switch everything. But as soon as you start getting players free, running the baseline and things like that, it means that there's more rotations. It's not just direct switches for, for pick and rolls. That's where you're going to, you know, cause defensive lapses and that's what they should be doing to win. But there was just none of that, which surprised me. So even without uh, Westbrook in, who again is, we don't know when he's coming back, maybe next week, maybe next month. But uh, the Rockets got it done pretty comfortably. The final result was 123 to 108. Harden, of course, went off 37 points. He hit six three-pointers, six of 13, 12 of 22 from the field, but none of those really matter, I guess. He got the job done. we got to shout out Jeff Green. I've my been boy, sort of, my boy. I, I know him. you love him. I know uh, I've been monitoring him, I guess, since the bubble started, and he's, you know, they don't have a, a center, uh, but the you know they do well with PJ Tucker and Jeff Green coming off the bench. The size, you know, his strength getting to the rim. He's been shooting well, and then again in that game one, he had he had uh, twenty thirty two. Tw- yeah, twenty two points was a plus twenty eight. A nice, uh, a nice six rebounds, four assists, one steal. You got the job done. Yeah, you know, get you got the job done. Good on well, you, Jeff especially Green. Especially with um, so Gordon, Gordon played all right. Um, wasn't super anything, but he sort of tried to take on the Westbrook role of pushing at the ring. Like you know, he's an outside shooter, but he was really, really aggressive going towards the bucket. Um, and that sort of helped collapse the defense. But Jeff Green also took on that role for a little bit, which surprised me. Um, you know, as he's sort of matured, he's not as athletic as he used to be. He's sort of settled for an outside shooter with a bit of an inside game. But he was taking guys off the dribble. So how sustainable that is, I'm not sure, because obviously the last few years we haven't seen many performances like that. Um, but he's been – that's just all we can ask for as a Houston supporter. You know, your role players stepping up in the absence of Westbrook. That's it. Good on Jeff Green. Moving on to some of the the bigger the bigger series, the more popular, you might say, the Lakers and the Blazers. That was a a great game to watch yesterday, especially if you're not fond of the the Lakers. <laughs> uh, the Lakers lost a uh, hundred. Sorry, Portland won a hundred to ninety three. The Lakers couldn't put up the triple digits. LeBron James had a historic night. I believe he had a triple-double. and he had a triple-double with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah, he had 23 points and... 16 uh, assists and 17 16, rebounds. Yeah, 16 assists, I think, which is like he's the first Laker to do that. Since since Magic, I think. His, his career high was 14 going into the match and he, um, he quite comfortably surpassed that. Yeah, and uh, I believe he was playing at the point. Yeah. And, yeah, so had that triple-double, 16 assists, 23 points. But it wasn't enough. And him and AD, and we talked about the free throws, AD had 28 points, but he did have 12 free throws. And I know that's 
you know, that can be normal for these good scorers. But the way I perceived it was that AD didn't have that good of a game and didn't, you know, impose his will on on the game. He, yeah, and basically the, the Lakers weren't really a force yesterday against the Blazers. AD, he started really well. Um, I think he had 21 at halftime, 22 or something like that. But then he was just really passive. So LeBron got him going early. Um, I don't know how many of his points were from LeBron assists, but that sort of got him going. But he was just settling for that outside jumper way too much. And we know that he's had his issues in terms of playing center. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to play power forward, which is why the Lakers start JaVale. But he just he needs to be more inside and playing a playing a more physical role because when he's driving, that opens a floor up so much more. Uh, he was just settling for shots um, and – you know, that's not where the Lakers lost it, but it definitely hindered their performance a lot. I want to create a a a term for some sports talking terminology, if it's not already a term, uh, result bias or, you know, because there's recency bias. It's mm-hmm. sort of the same thing, but result bias. And when I look at yesterday's result and I look at the wall that the Blazers kept putting up in front of LeBron, and I looked and I see the passiveness of AD. I know AD can turn it on and I keep saying that AD is the key to all, all the Lakers' possible success. But if the Blazers keep putting up the wall, LeBron only attempts – or sorry, only makes one three, which is common for yeah. you know his game. And the Blazers also get Zach Collins back who didn't play. They got some nice minutes from Winion Gabriel. He can come off the bench for Zach yeah, Collins. He played well. I'd say that the Lakers are very far off winning this series. And when I, I know I always talk down on them, but uh, uh, yeah, my my point of result bias is that looking at that game and looking at how it ended up finishing, it just looks like it looked like the Blazers had the answers in a way, and the Lakers didn't. Yeah, well, like Lillard is Lillard. Um, He's, you know, he won the most valuable player of the seeding games, whatever that is, but he's <laughs> on fire. And I think it was, I, I'm still going to tip the Lakers for this series. Um, obviously, the Blazers do match up quite well against them, but the Blazers have had three months of win-now mode. They've been in the playoffs, I mean, sorry, three weeks of win-now mode. They've been in the playoffs for the last three weeks, whereas the Lakers haven't had to win a game for four months. But even yeah. before that, you know, they were cruising in the in the West. Um, so I think this will be a, a bit of a shock, but also the Lakers almost won that. I know the Blazers shot, they shot 39% from the field, which obviously isn't good, but the Lakers yeah. shot 14% from three. That's going to increase. Then they're, they're yeah. not going to shoot that poorly again. So if Danny Green doesn't go whatever one for whatever he did or oh for whatever he did, if he hits two, Kuzma hits an extra one, LeBron hits an extra one, eight is more aggressive. <laughs> you know, you're looking at an extra... Case- there's an extra like 15 points there. KCP doesn't hit one point, <laughs> one assist, one rebound, oh, wearing number one in game one. Oh, it was shocking, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, Danny Green got um, – he was shocking, missing so many shots, and he was uh, actually a pretty – I think pretty heavily bullied by the Lakers fans. Missed uh, six of his uh, eight attempts from three. Um, but, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he was also the, passing the them up. He was passing up open threes, which is just not his role. So I think the Lakers definitely have another gear. Uh, the Blazers obviously can shoot better, but I thought they moved the ball as well as they probably will. Um, yeah. So the way I saw it is the Lakers defended, you know, Portland quite well, and they were 
hitting what they deserve to hit, whereas the Lakers are missing open shots, which won't happen again. So still going towards the Lakers, but obviously we know what Lillard can do and we know how good CJ is and even Nurkic is playing incredible basketball. So they're definitely a threat. Lillard had 34, some big shots. Gary, uh, down the stretch, the, the Blazers made the big big shots. The Lakers didn't. Um, Mello didn't have a great game, only 11 points and 3 of 11 from the field, but he hit a big shot. So did Gary Trent Jr. CJ hit 21. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to go out on a limb. I know it's probably predictable <laughs> because of my how I how much I love the Lakers, but I'm going to say by the time we talk this time next week, I'm going to say the Blazers are going to be in a one game away from tying up the series. It'll be 3-2 Blazers. What have you got? Ooh, I'll say... Can I say like three and a half? <laughs> it'll either you be, can just make up a number. Yeah, it'll either be... 3-2 or 4-1 for the Lakers, I think. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Now, moving on to the last series to talk about, the Mavs and the Clippers. Again, I've picked the Clippers to win the championship, so I'm, you know, whatever about them. I'm maybe a bit blind but because I thought they'd win today. But they, they won the first game. A bit of a controversial ejection of Chris Stapp's Porzingis after he picked up Two soft technicals, but I thought they were both there. They were both there, weren't they? Look, the first one's an iffy call, but that gets called quite a lot. Yeah. And once you get that first one, you don't come in to a scuffle as a third man because that's always a tech. That's so, always a double tech like it was. It was a yeah. double tech for Porzingis because he came in in defense of Luca and uh, the other side Harrell, of double Harrell, tech I was. I think it was. Um, no, I think it was Morris. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry. But yeah, I yeah. think that's like he's got to know better whether the first text there or not isn't relevant. Once you've got that, you've got to be more composed. So um, obviously sucks, but that's just how it is. That's it. Uh, but yeah, so game one, Clippers won by eight points and people argue, you know, no Porzingis for, you know, Porzingis only played 20 minutes. So he was out for pretty much a quarter or a quarter and a bit of the game. Um, Doncic had an incredible game in game one. He had 42 points and seven rebounds, nine assists, doing what he normally does. Don't forget the 11 turnovers. The 11 turnovers, we can... But he had had four in the first three minutes or whatever it is, and there was a few that teammates fumbled his passes, but he just looked like... And the first time in his career, he's actually looked like he had a bit of the jitters. Um, Obviously, his scoring was there, but just... Bit of indecisiveness with the ball. Kawhi on the other end, Kawhi had 29, PG had 27, and it was a nice all-round scoring game for the Clippers. Different story today. Um, obviously, Pozingas played the whole game. As we mentioned, Paul George, Bronx cheer to him because he was cold as <laughs> hell. And Kawhi, you know, did everything he could. He had 35 points. Uh, there was a bit of chipping in from everyone. Lou Will had... Uh, 23 points, but really 127 to 114 win for the Mavs. That you watch those Mavs that we keep mentioning it, they're just so scary on offense. Those three pointers, I, I was watching and then I had to check how many points Hardaway Jr. had because I thought he had 50, but it's, he couldn't miss. It's just, but also, they just what about Trey Burke? 
Trey yeah, Burke Trey Burke. was on fire in the third and fourth quarters. He was just driving at will to go to his right and just because they stretched the floor so well, um, the, the Mavs do, he was just getting to the hole with ease. Their bench scored a total, let's do some quick maths, 32-15. That's 47 that's Big 47 maths. points from their bench, uh, 13 from Boban, the GOAT, uh, 16 from Trey Burke, and 15 from Seth Curry is a plus 30. Seth Curry is such a good piece. He was playing oh. exceptionally well. Oh, my gosh, Seth Curry. I'd love to have him on the sixes. He'd be he'd be taking our shots. Like, he'd be... Down the stretch of game one, Boston-Philly, God damn, Alec Burks was taking our shots. Do we need a guy or a guy? Do we need a Jimmy Butler or not? This front office. Anyway, back to the Mavs Clippers. The Mavs are so good and so scary. If they can, I'm, I'm scared for the next eight years, you could say, or whatever you want to call it. If they can keep their guys loyal, we know Rick Carlisle's a great coach. I'm talking ch- multiple championships, yeah. maybe not. Lots I, and lots, but I thought about this today, and this is just a random thought without too much, you know, too much background. But I think part of the reason LeBron struggled in Cleveland, his first ever stint there, was because he was too good too early. You know, in his second mm. year, he took them to the playoffs, like Luke has done here, and there goes your draft picks, and you know, it, it almost hinders you if you to get to LeBron's talent. If that took him five years instead of two years, there'd be another few pieces around him that would have helped. And I was thinking, say, I wonder if this will end up obviously not biting the Mavs in the ass because you've got Luca, but I wonder if they'll be a few pieces away and sort of stuck in almost no man's land there for a while if they can't get some free agents because they're not going to be getting first round draft picks for all. Well, they'll get first rounds, but not lottery picks because yeah. Luca can just carry them. Yeah, that's a good point you make. I'm not sure how old Hardaway Jr. is. He'd be 26, I reckon. Something like that. But. Anyway, just looking good for the right now, you could say, but, and and you'd say next year, and yeah, scary Mavs. So talking on the series sort of thing, a lot of people might bring up that the Mavs might be two and zero if it wasn't for Porzingis going down in Game One because the Mavs had their way with the Clippers today, uh, whereas the Clippers just scraped over the line in Game One. Where does this series go from here? Well, no, sorry. Where is it going to be when we talk next after five games? Uh, after five, I'm going to say three to the Clippers. Um, I think their defensive ability and even their offensive ability um, will definitely get them over the line, whereas we know the Mavs can score, but they struggle defensively. So once PG gets his shot going, once you know Montrez Harrell plays a few more minutes, I think that shouldn't be too much of a task, but I do expect you know Doncic and Pazingas and even like someone like Maxi Kleber to get going and... They'll, they'll claim another win before we talk. Game one was the 12th time all season that all all Clippers' main players, at least, were, or even their whole side, was available. So I know you can keep, you know, just uh, keep saying the same thing, but when you say that to me, that it's only the 12th time that they've all, you know, played together, the Clippers, and it's been the same story all season. Pat Beverly out today. Harold you know, literally got out of quarantine, then played in game one because he was missing. They all just, if they can scrape through, which I think they're probably going to do on the back of Kawhi, mm. um, I still I still count them as finding that gel by the end of uh, 
the end of the playoffs. And uh, yeah, um, so I think Kawhi is going to have to carry them. I think what we're seeing is going to continue and it's going to be a, a grind for the Clippers and they will need Pat Bev to play, uh, not like he did today in game two. And I think the, the Clippers will grind it out. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll say after five games this time next week, I think it'll be Clippers 3-2. Yeah. Moving on, we're going to try a, a new game here, JL, just to finish off, just here a bit go. of fun. Got no name for it right now. Maybe the, the fans and the listeners can help us out with the name. But basically, I am going to randomize all the active players in the NBA right now. And I'm going to give you the t- I'm going to, and I'm going to, it's going to pop out two on this website that I'm using. And I'm going to give you one, and you're, and I'm going to have one. And we are going to try and argue for who who is better. You know who? What are we, what are we going to do? Who who would win a one on one, or who is better? Who is better? Who's better? Yeah. All right. So we'll give it a go. I'm about to press randomize. Do you want me to press it any amount of times, or nah, just one? Just go for it. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. All right. Just pressed it. Harrison Barnes and Rudy Gay. Oh. Oh, Rudy. Yes, uh, team one. You know, option one is Harrison Barnes and Rudy Gay. This is easy. Are we? Are, uh, are we doing a quick? Uh, I've got both their stats up already. I am flying, and I'm telling <laughs> you what, Rudy Gay is the far superior player over Harrison Barnes. There is no question <laughs> asked. I can jump straight into it, Nate. I am ready. All right, hold on. Oh, hold on. All right. I feel like I'm, I'm actually going to get Rudy Gay's stats up so I can I'm gonna look up his personal life. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, is no – I can't express how much I hate uh, I hate Harrison Barnes as well. So I am <laughs> ready to, to go hard on him. <laughs> yeah, I don't love Harrison Barnes either. However, he's much better than Rudy Gay. No, you um, – Oh, let me hear your argument. <laughs> let me hear your argument because I can't uh, wait yeah. to disprove everything you say. I'll, I'll come in first. And maybe the fans, I mean, I'll probably say that I won, but maybe the fans and the listeners can tell us who they who they think is better or who won the argument, who made the better case. What a career Harrison Barnes has had. <laughs> He's, is, it, is it 50 or 503? Either or. <laughs> His effective field goal percentage is 50. He... Averages 13.7 points for his career. He was a champion with the Golden State Warriors. And we all know that the Warriors, you know, it was a bit shaky once they replaced him with Kevin Durant. They, um, and, <laughs> oh, and what a man, uh, Harrison Barnes. He, Fuck uh, Harrison Barnes. I'm going, what I do, I'm, I'm going on a limit saying it. Fuck Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes in the 2016 NBA Finals ruined the NBA. Now, I was all for Cleveland in that championship. I was 100% supporting Cleveland, and Harrison Barnes laid an absolute egg. He averaged nine points per game, which was absolutely rubbish. What did he shoot from three? Nine from 29 for the entire series. I think he shot three from his last 16 or something ridiculous like that. He single-handedly, if he hit like two more threes that series, the Warriors win. And then Kevin Durant doesn't join them. He literally ruined the league for so many years. I hate this man with a passion. 
But if we want to actually, I didn't realize. If you actually want to talk about their statistics, Rudy Gay over his career has averages more points, averages more assists, averages more rebounds. He does way more. He's known for being good in the clutch. There's that YouTube video that everyone's seen when, you, when Rudy Gay gets the ball playing for Memphis against Toronto, where the guy's like, no, not Rudy, not Rudy, and he hits a game winner anyway. Rudy, Rudy Gay broke fans' hearts. He was an incredible scorer, great player, and he's just a far, far, far superior player compared to Harrison Barnes. Well, let me just say that in the uh, season that the 76ers, sorry to bring him up again, but that in the season that the 76ers won 10 games, they went 70, uh, 10 and 72. Um, Are you really going to pull this card right now? <laughs> we we nearly beat the Warriors. I'm pretty damn sure it was that season. Yes, we nearly was. beat the Golden State Warriors, and we had them beat until one man, one man didn't want the Bronx cheers to come all the way from Oakland. It was a corner three to break my heart. Um, Steph airballed that game. But this man didn't airball the game winner. His name is Harrison Barnes. <laughs> he's grown out his beard and he's living the bubble life. He had coronavirus and he survived it. <laughs> <laughs> he survived coronavirus. I'm, I, I'm just, let me just, yeah, when I type in Harrison Barnes, C-O-R, as in, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he had, yeah, he had, he battled coronavirus and beat it. I mean, let's not don't don't tell me you're against people surviving coronavirus, uh, Jack Lynch. If they're the ones because that lead, Ke- if they lead Kevin Durant to the Warriors, I am a hundred. No, I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. But if your argument is that Harrison Barnes is better because he hit a game winner against probably the worst team that we've ever seen, maybe excusing the uh, excluding the 2012 Charlotte Bobcats, you are dreaming. He's uh, provided I- nothing for his career. He was in Golden State, was decent as a rookie in the playoffs. I remember that. There was a bit of hype around him, and he amounted to nothing. He got shipped out of out of Golden State Warriors because they couldn't trust him in the playoffs. Went to Dallas, was supposed to be the man there. That didn't work. Then he went to Sacramento. He's just absolutely nothing worth even talking about, and I'm just actually insulted that you think he's a good player. <laughs> well, I, I basically put all my eggs in, in my last <laughs> In my in my in my last uh, my last uh, yelling moment, whatever that was, um, uh, yeah, I've got nothing. Um, I still Rudy, want to keep going. <laughs> I, I'd be so happy to do. I, I hope that we can do this each week and we can do three players. But we've we've been recording for so long now, and I'm not sure how our listeners and also our families who are keeping silent for us. Um, thanks, mom, thanks, mum and dad. So we'll leave it there. Uh, I don't know who won that debate personally. I mean, a guy who survived COVID-19 and a guy who didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, NBA champion, non-NBA champion. You you people weigh it up for me. You tell me who's the better player. I'll take it to the grave. Harrison Barnes is better than Rudy Gay. Can I quickly just say before we go, in game five of the NBA finals, he had five points <laughs> as a starter. In game six, he had zero points. And in game seven, he came off the bench, I'm pretty sure. No, I've got the wrong year there. <laughs> in game six, I was like, no, he didn't. He started. Here we go. Box scores. What did he do in game seven? Absolutely nothing, I'm sure of it. Harrison Barnes, 10 points on three of 10 shooting. Absolutely rubbish. Cost him the championship. Ruined the NBA. 
fuck Harrison Barnes and Rudy Gay. I fully support you. And that's just all I have to say. He's made his case. JL, thank you for jumping on today. It's thank been you my for pleasure. Uh, it's been fun. Cheering me up and uh hopefully sometime next week uh the Sixers uh stadium might have blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Brett Brown. <laughs> All right, I'll uh I'll talk to you next time. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. We will definitely be uploading the Bronx Cheer of the Week nominations and their videos up to our social media pages. Instagram and Facebook is simply the Bronx Cheer Basketball. Twitter is Bronx Cheer B-Ball. And hopefully you can go on there and tell us which video or which nomination you thought was most deserving of Bronx Cheer of the Week. Again, thank you so much for everyone that's supported the page, following, subscribing, leaving five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, once again, following or subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be there, the show. Be sure to go check us out on our social media pages and we'll talk to you next week.